Welcome to another episode of Two Minutes Dos Minutos. It's great to have you back with us today. Uh, a special episode we have today for our listeners. Alf, why don't you uh, tell them what they're, they're in store for? Well, today we have a midseason report by our, our good friend, Tim Reynolds. He's the AP writer. Not only that, Mike, but we also have a live studio audience today at uh, Zeus Tech Studios. We are very excited about that. Uh, I'm going to ask producer Brian to jump on uh, the mic here and let us know who we have the lovely fortune to have with us here live in the Zeus Tech studio. So today we have my mother. Mom, you want to say hello to everybody? So my mom is visiting from Vermont. She will be here for a couple of months, so we're really excited to have her here and very grateful that she will be here for, uh, for this podcast, and let's see going forward if we'll let her uh, sit in on the rest. Well, we'll have to see how mom behaves in the, uh, in the studio audience, but uh, so far, so good. Uh, we're, we're really yeah. excited to have you, and it's even better to meet you. And uh, Love uh, interacting with you on social media, and thank you for being a friend of the show and for always being so nice to us. In addition to that, she's made some comments about Zeus Tech Studios that needs a little bit more decorating, if you will. So we'll <laughs> get those comments. In All right. Nothing like a mom's touch when it comes to decorating. So uh, I like that. Uh, so we've got uh, we've got Tim Reynolds coming up. It's a halfway point of the NBA season. That's right. We'll go back and talk with Tim about uh, some of the predictions he made at the start of the season and see how those things are coming along, how the season is going. That's right. So we'll be back uh, with Tim Reynolds in just a moment in two minutes in Dos Minutos. And joining us now on the Zeus Tech guest line is a very good friend of the show from the Associated Press, our NBA expert, Tim Reynolds. Tim, thanks for joining us again. And uh, once again, welcome to uh, Two Minutes Dos Minutos. Is this a paid position? <laughs> Uh, not for you, I'm afraid. Oh, no. okay. Well, very, very excited. Good, good, good. <laughs> Tim, I just, I, just didn't, I just didn't know if I had to live up to a certain standard or not. So I, I just like to know going in where, where the line is. <laughs> well, you know, we're at the point now, believe it or not, where just about every team has played somewhere in the neighborhood of 41 games, which is uh, the halfway point. And so you were nice enough to say yes when we asked you to come on at the midseason report. And let's take a look at what's going on with the NBA. And like we did with you, preseason we broke it down by conferences and uh, maybe we can start there let's talk about how things have played out with the western conference first and specifically let's start with the la teams well i mean i did not i'll be honest i mean we all knew the lakers would be good i did not think they would be best team in the nba good i thought two things one i thought it would take you know some time because it is you know, kind of a new group and bringing Anthony Davis into the fold, even though he is a great player. I mean, you know, great teams just don't happen. Mm -hmm. um, I also thought that the regular season wouldn't matter so much. I mean, I, I didn't expect them to sleepwalk and go like, you know, 44 and 38. Right. But they're playing like every game is game seven. And the one side of me says that's really interesting in that, wow, we're seeing what this team can be in the playoffs. And the other side of me is saying, wow, LeBron's 35. Like, what are they thinking? Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, good point. Yeah. They've separated themselves. We'll get to the East in a second. I mean, Milwaukee's built up more separation atop that side. But, you know, the Lakers have established themselves as the clear one. The team that I thought was going to be the contender that nobody talked about was Utah. And they've proven me right. I think they've won 10 or 11 in a row. Mm -hmm. They're right there. And here's how crazy the West is, Mike D. I think it was, I want to say it was three or four days ago. You know, I want to say it was like uh, 
uh, earlier in the week. The Clippers started the day in second. And it was the first time ever this late in the year where the Lakers and Clippers woke up 1-2 in the standings. First time ever. Clippers lost that night and fell to fifth. Wow. That's how crazy. I mean, you see that like in October. You don't see that in January. Mm -hmm. So that's how crazy the West is. And by the way, the conferences are very similar in that you've got one team that's broken away. Then you got a cluster of five. Right. Then another team hanging around and two teams bringing up the rear that are pretty clearly, you know, going to be first round fodder for somebody. Mm-hmm. It's really weird how there's no middle class in either conference this year. It's kind of crazy. I wanted to, to get your thoughts, Tim, on, you know, the Lakers saw Anthony Davis go down with that, uh, that injury when he went to block that shot and took a tough fall right on his back. And he's missed, uh, I think, four games. What impact does that have on what you were just talking about? The Lakers pushing so hard and LeBron playing so hard every night. I wonder if it gives them pause to say, hey, maybe we should take the foot off the gas a little bit every now and then. Except they, they're incapable of it. And I go back to something Frank Vogel said. He said it tongue-in-cheek. Oh, look, I'm going to preface this by saying that everybody wants to win every game. Everybody wants to go 82-0. and That's a given. Mm-hmm. Frank Vogel, you know, I think it was media day. I'm pretty sure it was media day. He's like, we're going to, because their first game, remember, was against the Clippers. I believe that's how the season started. Right. It was Lakers Clippers. And, you know, we want to win that game. Then he's like, and we want to win the first 10. And then we want to win the first 20. And then we want to win the first 30. I mean, and that's, it sounded crazy, but that's just how you think. Like, you don't go into it thinking, eh, we'd like to be five and five around Thanksgiving. We'd like to be, thanks, you know, 500 around Thanksgiving. They don't think of it that way. I think what LeBron is doing is he's running his race in this fashion. Go out super hard right now, clinch your spot, clinch your seed, and then take however many games off at the end. Once they're locked into a seed, mm-hmm. he'll that's it. He won't play again. You know, he's made that real clear. That's been his MO kind of in the past. I think he'd love nothing more than for the Lakers to win the West by five or six games. I think they're four or five up right now. I can't remember. Yes. They'd love nothing more than to win the West by five or six games. That would give him 10 or 12 days off to tune up, to study film, to hone in on an opponent, and just rest everything. So he can come back for game one of the playoffs fresh as a daisy. I think that's why they're going so hard right now. And to me, having seen what a healthy, rested LeBron can do in the playoffs, that makes a lot of sense. What, uh, again, staying out west, what has been some of your unexpected pleasant surprises that you've seen out there anything i think seeing that billy donovan is still a really good coach as if anybody should have been surprised by that i I think people thought it wouldn't work for the thunder i think people thought that chris paul was done or near done saying he's done that's not fair but i don't think people thought chris paul still had this much left Mm -hmm. i may have been included in in that group i'm not totally (laughs) surprised i don't think he'd be this happy he's playing with joy I didn't think he'd be happy to be there because of how the trade went down. It was pretty clear over the summer he wanted to be other places. I reside in a city which was one of those places where he wanted to be. I'm surprised that they found a way to make it work, but Billy's a great coach. And, you know, what they have with, you know, Shai Gilgis Alexander. Look, the, the Thunder, to me, are a very good story. Luka is a great story. Speaking of uh, Luka Doncic in Dallas. Not to be confused with any other Lucas, of course. (laughs) 
just, I, be, just I, being clear for our listeners that may not be savvy when it comes to the NBA. Well, then they should educate themselves. Uh, <laughs> I'm the second best Slovenian player in the NBA behind Goran Dragic, of course. <laughs> I, I think what Dallas is doing is a great story. I, I think what Luke is doing at, what is he, 20, 21 years old? That's I mean, right, yes. I mean, leading the league in triple doubles, he's a serious MVP candidate. He's giving LeBron his money's worth in the race for the top vote getter for the All-Star game, for the captaincy of, of the Western Conference. What Luca's doing is amazing. And it, it's so funny how Dallas loses Dirk, Miami loses Dwayne Wade. Oh my God, what are these teams gonna do without their, you know, their historic cornerstone player? It's a reminder that for as great as those guys are, time marches on. Dallas without Dirk got better. Miami without Dwayne got better. And that's not, as Eric Spolster would say, not an indictment of either guy, of course. But it just reminds you that, yes, as much as we fall in love with certain players, time go, time marches on. And there is always that next group. Luka Doncic is the headliner of the next group, not just out West, but in the whole NBA. I think he's going to be a guy we're talking about for as long as he wants to play over here, whether it's 10, 15, 20 years. So let's take the flip side of that discussion out West. Uh, that's some pleasant surprises. Any uh, early or mid-season disappointments for you, Tim? You have to start with Golden State. I'm disappointed that Steph got hurt. I'm disappointed that, you know, they were without, you know, D'Angelo Russell for a while. Draymond's kind of been on a, you know, a rest recovery maintenance thing for a lot of the year. I mean, they're just not the Warriors. I'm sad that we don't have the Warriors anymore. I'm excited that next year we'll have the Warriors again. (laughs) They'll be back. (laughs) With with Clay, with Steph back. I mean, and Steph will be back at some point, you know, this year as well. But I miss the Warriors. I just do. It's just, this is weird to me that they're having this, you know, I know it's temporary and I understand why, but that, that disappoints me. I, I think the team that is doing the least with the most is Sacramento. I think Sacramento should have been in the playoff hunt. They won 15 games in the first half of the season. They're on pace to win 30 again. Oof. Like They're better than that. A little bit surprised at Portland, but they're showing signs of figuring it out. And I think that's a team that can make a move. I do think they're going to, if Kevin Love gets moved, I think Portland is the front runner to get him. I think they're already getting better. I think they're going to keep getting better. I don't, I wouldn't rule them out. And, you know, Mike, we just saw San Antonio at the Heat's house. What are we calling it now? Is it still American Airlines Arena? Well, as far as I know, I I have not seen an article written by my friend Tim Reynolds (laughs) telling me anything differently. So I keep calling it American Airlines Arena. Yeah. It's still being called American Airlines Arena for the time being. We just <laughs> saw the Spurs there. We all love Pop. Pop doesn't like me very much, but we all love Pop. <laughs> we we know that if there's a way for him to get that team into the playoffs, he will. I'm a little bit worried. The idea of a postseason without him and this streak ending, this 22-year streak ending, mm-hmm. nobody, wants, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see it. But then again, what Memphis is doing you know, no one thought Memphis was any good. No one, you know, no one knew what they really had in John Morant. Memphis has been great. I should have put them in the plus side. I, I, that's, a, that's an omission on my part. Memphis has been an unbelievable story and good for that city, good for that franchise. Really quick, before we leave the West, uh, I, I have to ask you your thoughts on the debut, the, the season debut of the number one draft pick overall, Zion Williamson, coming up uh, here very soon in the next few days with the Pelicans. I give the Pelicans credit. They didn't rush him back. You know, they're taking the long play, obviously. I mean, they're looking at this. They're, they're a young team. 
I think they may shed some veterans. I think they'll look at maybe moving J.J. Redick by the trade deadline, which would be great for J.J. Redick because he's never missed the playoffs, and I don't think he wants to start now. It's one of those weird little NBA streaks. But when you look at it, Mike B., you know, Zion, we all saw what he could do in the preseason. And preseason games, you don't know who's really out there, who's playing hard, who's in shape, whatever. The kid's an enormous talent. If he stays healthy, he's going to put up monster numbers. We all know that. But as we sit here right now with him, I think, six days away from when we're taping this, from his NBA debut, the Pelicans are only four games out in the West, guys. And the hard part of their season is over. Mm-hmm. The second half of their season gets much easier, you know, on paper. You still got to play the games and all that. If they ripped off five or six wins in a row, guys, they're right in the middle of this playoff chase. That would be amazing. So wow. It would be amazing. And you look at them right now, I, th- I think they're 13th. I think they're only ahead of Sacramento and Golden State. A- as we sit here right now, they might be 12th. Don't, but they're, they're in the bottom third. Mm-hmm. They're right there. Wow. And they're bringing in the number one pick. That's a heck of a midseason acquisition. So from this point. Wait to see what the kid can do. From this point forward, uh, I'm going to ask Tim Reynolds. Your preseason picks were the two L.A. teams getting to the Western Conference Finals for an all-L.A. Conference championship. Has that changed at all? I mean, the only way I wouldn't pick them right now is obviously if they're, you know, seeded 1-4 or 2-3. Right. I think there are three teams. Denver, look, Denver's 28-12. and 12. I cover a team that's 28-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to win 28 of your first 40 games. But I'm still not believing that Denver can win the West. I think there are only three teams that can win the West. The Lakers, the Clippers, and the Jazz. I really believe that the Jazz, the Jazz can't knock both of them off. If the Lakers and Clippers went head-to-head in, say, the West semis, and the Jazz only had to get through one of them, Mm -hmm. I would give the Jazz a puncher's chance. I don't think the Jazz can take them both out. But if they get some help, or if the Lakers and Clippers, if one of them knocks the other out, I think that opens the door for a Utah possibility. I would put them third, but I still think the Lakers and Clippers, when it's money time, I think they'll be the two best teams in the playoffs in in that side of the league. All right. Well, uh, speaking of sides of the league, let's move to the other side, the Eastern Conference. And uh, as you mentioned a little earlier in our conversation, uh, one team has seemed to put themselves above all others. Uh, let's talk, uh, have you talk a little bit about the East. Milwaukee's gone. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> the race is over. That's it. That's been fun. That's see you it. later. Giannis, we'll see you in about the second round. You can take uh, the next three and a half months off. You'll be fine. <laughs> you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They've been great at home. They've been great on the road. They've been great in close games. They, if, if they out-rebound you, you have no chance. They're long. They're scary. Giannis is the reigning MVP. He has better numbers this year in almost every category. Chris Middleton is the most slept-on max contract guy in the league. I don't get it. I don't understand that at all. I like what they did with, you know, putting the Lopez brothers back together. I mean, everybody seems to like that, you know, except the Lopez brothers, of course. <laughs> I like what they've done. I, I you know, the, the only question any of us had going into the year was can they absorb the loss of Malcolm Brogdon, who was great for them. You just can't keep everybody. You just can't pay everybody. Yeah, they've that's been asked and answered. I mean, they're 36-6. and six. Give them the respect that they're due. I mean, that is an excellent basketball team. They When they do lose, they come back the next night and they beat the snot out of somebody. Maybe it's the small market. Maybe it's Milwaukee. Maybe it's because people can't pronounce Giannis's last name. 
I have five different pronunciations for it. I don't know if any of them are the correct <laughs> one. Oh, that's I, I funny. Don't know, I don't know what it is, but we don't give them the credit that they've earned. And we are not slighting them, but they're taking it as a slight, and we are definitely fueling them. I mean, I, I think Milwaukee has embraced the us against the world sort of attitude that, you know, maybe people in South Florida used to, maybe you could assimilate that to Hurricanes football. Hurricanes football was very much the same way, us against the world, and it worked for a really long time down here. I think Milwaukee has taken that same tack, and they know that nobody's talking about them. I think it ticks them off, and they convert it into, like, riboflavin, and it just fuels them. It's amazing. So, yes, far and away, and and they're not going to get caught. There's just no way they can get caught in the East unless something catastrophic happens to their team, which obviously we hope is not the case. Right. No, no one's going to catch them. So now we turn to pleasant surprises, and I hope uh, one organization near and dear to my heart might be there for you. <laughs> yeah, the Knicks, of course. <laughs> oh, oh, you know how to hurt a guy. <laughs> I had a conversation a couple hours before we recorded this with a former player. We spent 20 minutes talking about how are they doing this. I don't know how the Heat are doing this. I really don't. I think Eric Spolstra is the coach of the year right now. I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think he'll win it because people still look at Spo as the guy who can only win when he has the big three. Clearly not the case. I think Eric Spolster has been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He's pushed every right button this year. There has been so many reasons for this thing to fall apart in Miami. You've got most of your big salary guys, except for Jimmy Butler, either hurt or not in the rotation or suspended or in and out of, I mean, they're doing this with Jimmy Butler, Goron and rookies, basically. It's amazing what they're doing. And, and, and by the way, every time drama happens, it doesn't really happen. It doesn't affect them. There's been unbelievable twists and turns in this first half of the heat season and nothing's bothered them. It's it. That to me is the most amazing part. They're, you know, they're six and zero in overtime. That's conditioning. They're great in close games. That's culture. They're, I mean, unbelievable at home. That that's they're getting back to the culture. I mean, they already have eight. They're eighteen and one at home. They won nineteen games at home all last season. I, I, what Spo's done is amazing. And by the way, you can look at every metric and every analytic and every everything. You can't make sense of how they're twenty eight and twelve. Just what they're doing is working. And what about any teams in the East that are surprising you kind of in a disappointing way? Well, I, I've said this for a while. Oh, let me say one more that surprised me in a good Sure. Way. I've said this for a month, that the two best stories in the NBA are the Heat and the Toronto Raptors. Toronto was written off. They lost Kawhi. Never going to happen again. They've had injuries. They've had problems. If the season ended today, they've got home court for the first round. That's right. Unbelievable job. Unbelievable job by Nick Nurse. Unbelievable leadership from Kyle Lowry, even when he's not playing. I think what the Raptors have done, absolutely staggering. There's no championship hangover there at all. They're playing on a mission. They're saying, hey, yes, Kawhi was great, but it wasn't just Kawhi. That's unbelievable to me. The Heat and Raptors, to me, are by far the two best stories in the league this year. The disappointing side to me, I expected a lot more from the Hawks, to be honest. Mm, yeah. In full disclosure, Kevin Herter's a personal friend. I've known his family since he was born. 
there's no way they should be at the bottom of the East. None. None whatsoever. Kevin Herter being a Hawks guard. I forgot, Mike. We have to explain who everybody is. Kevin <laughs> Herter is the second-year second guard for the Hawks. Unbelievable player. Future Heat guard. I'm going to make it happen. I'm Wait a minute. Right whoa, 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 He's whoa. going to be a heater. Wait a what? What? <laughs> okay. I can say that. Yes, you can. <laughs> I can. No one else can. That's I right. can. That's right. That's right. They, they should. I thought they'd be a playoff contending team. They're 10 out of the last playoff spot or something crazy like that. I think Brooklyn is a disappointment as well. I think right now they'd be in the playoffs. And yes, I know that Kyrie's been hurt. And of course they weren't going to have Kevin Durant this year. There's more talent there than even without, even with Kevin Durant taking this year off to, you know, to recover from the Achilles. There's more talent there. Philly hasn't figured it out yet, but that one does, doesn't totally surprise me. Cause I still think you have a lot of guys playing out of position. I don't know how well Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid still work together after all these years. We still don't know that. Josh Richardson, though, seems to have brought a certain amount of culture, Michael B. With him? (laughs) It's like he was well-schooled somewhere. I can't put my finger on it, but (laughs) we still root for Jay Rich. We have to. He was a good Um, good student when he was uh, in our organization. And, you know, Orlando just hanging around. They're getting better as the year goes on. Orlando last year had virtually the same lineup for 82 games. I mean, they changed their starters, I think, like eight times all year. They basically had their team from day one to day 170. This year, the injury bug has gotten them. They've been way down at times. Just beat the Lakers in L.A. Markel Fultz is playing like a number one pick for the first time. That's great to see. So happy to see that. He got written off by everybody. They're going to get – I know they're right on the cusp right now. The Magic are definitely getting in. There's no question they're getting into the playoffs. Don't be surprised, Orlando and Miami, round one. Do not be surprised if you see that one happen. A Florida series, oh boy. It would be so much fun. So when you were on with us originally, I asked you for your your picks for the Eastern Conference Championship, and you were torn. You thought maybe either Philly or Boston would be there, but the team that you said would be there facing them is the Miami Heat. And you look clairvoyant now, let me tell you, I have to say. Um, what are your thoughts on the East and uh, getting to the finals, uh, the Eastern Conference finals? I'm literally, like, if this was a video pod, you would see me doing the shrug emoji right now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, told you. I, I, I got to be careful how I say this. I, I truly believe Milwaukee's better than I thought. They, I thought Brogdon was going to be a big loss. I didn't think Milwaukee was going to free fall. They're better than I thought. I'll say that. That being said, I think the East is 100% up for grabs. I think it'll be the team that's healthiest in May is going to be the team that gets it done. I don't think home court is going to matter too terribly much. Miami's already won in Milwaukee this year. You know, but then again, they, they've lost at the Garden. They've lost to Brooklyn. They, you know, they can lose anywhere on the road, too. The home court advantage that they're building at, at – still called American Airlines Arena. <laughs> that means something. I think the East is going to be very wide open. I don't believe Milwaukee's invincible in a seven-game series. I really don't. Philly's got to be the team that I take off the top of the sheet from what I had in October. I think Boston will be there. Boston will be very tough to knock out. But I think the Heat see the potential of maybe coming in a little bit ahead of schedule. 
And no, it wouldn't shock me if they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. And frankly, it wouldn't shock me if they won them. I do think health is going to be everything, though. And the continued development. Kendrick Nunn, it'll be his first playoffs. Tyler Hero, it'll be his first playoffs. Duncan Robinson, it'll be his first playoffs. You know, Jimmy, I don't think, has been past the second round. Who knows what's going to happen with Justice Winslow, if he's going to come back or not. As we sit here right now, we don't know anything. They need a lot of things to happen, but would you count them out? I wouldn't. Not not right now, not after what I've seen in the first half. Well, it has been a really exciting first half of the season, and I know as we go in the second half and everybody's jockeying for playoff position, it's going to be great. But I have to be honest, Alfredo is dying to get in here to ask yes, you some yes. things, so I'm going to bring Alf in uh, to continue the conversation, if that's all right. Hello, Tim. I, I have questions related to the Miami Heat, and uh, you're clairvoyant. I mean, you obviously uh, felt that they would be really good this year. Uh, especially what you said about Eric Spoltra doing magic, if you will, with Goran, Jimmy, and with a bunch of rookies. So my question to you, I think this is a formula that they use, or part of the solution is that they actually are known to be the best at developing young players. Uh, what are the Heat doing differently and better that other teams are not doing? It's, it's a good question, Alf. And the, I mean, it's not for me to say what they do better. I will say this that they didn't make the playoffs last season. And I think there was pretty good attendance in the practice gym by about the second week of May. Like the off season really didn't exist for a lot of these guys. They, they went right back to work. Now there were a couple of times last summer where they took breaks. I mean, guys, everybody has to get away. Coaches, the assistants, everybody has to take a break. You can't play the game 52 weeks a year. You just can't. But what you're seeing is just hours and hours and hours of drills with purpose. That's how I would put it. Like, I think guys like Rob Fodor, who we don't talk about very often, the shooting coach for the Heat, he comes up with things that have a purpose, that it might look silly when you're alone in a practice gym doing it, but in a game situation, it means something. Octavio Delagrana, I believe, is one of the most innovative guys in the league and how he runs guys through catch and shoot drills and simulates, okay, this is a dribble handoff. This is a very important part of what the Miami heat run on offense, but this is the way they're defending you. So you've got to catch it and go this way with it. They practice this stuff. They practice for every contingency and just the repeated over and over and over hundred shots, hundred threes, thousand dribbles, hundred this, this and that. The emphasis on conditioning that they Duncan Robinson, I, you know, I've said this so many times to people over the last few weeks, Duncan Robinson won't win most improved player because everyone has a different definition of what most improved player is. But to me, he's far and away the most improved player in the NBA because last year he was unplayable. You couldn't play him. He couldn't guard anybody last year. He couldn't guard me. Right. <laughs> I take that back. There's a little bit of an asterisk there. Very this good. Year, he's a starter on a team that's second in the East, that's winning 70% of their games. Duncan Robinson, to me, forget the success they've had in identifying talent. By the way, Chet Cameron, who insisted they draft Tyler Hero, credit to him. What they've been able to do by identifying Chris Silva, what they did a couple of years ago, identifying Derek Jones Jr., signing these guys to two ways, and now they've become valuable parts of the organization. This isn't a one-year thing, Alf. This is a multi-year, this is a vision. This is finding finding something that looks great and then turning it into what the Heat exactly need it to be. Great analysis, Tim. I, 
actually that makes a lot of sense and uh, by the way you mentioned Chris Silva and I think one of the great stories and I, lo I know you love a great story so one of the great stories is that Miami he organized Chris Silva's mom to see him during the holidays do you have any insight of how that occurred and that was just so a fantastic story well it's fantastic on so many levels and by the way shout out Anthony Chang from the Miami Herald who told it a really great way but I'll, I'll tell my version of it <laughs> so there is going to be, it, it's a couple of months now from going live. The NBA is basically not, they're running it, but they're not really running it. There's a new basketball league in Africa that's starting. And it's not really a new league. What they're doing is they're taking the best teams in Africa and basically making it a league. With the NBA's backing, with the NBA's support, with the NBA's financial support. So NBA Africa is now a pretty viable office. And when they heard of Chris Silva's story, when Adam Silver learned of the details, of the specifics of Chris Silva's story, how he'd only seen his mom once in a few years, how he'd only gone back home, you know, basically to get his visa renewed, how he came here to the States knowing very little English. I mean, what was he thinking, leaving home to go to South Carolina? I mean, it's an amazing story on every level. And so the NBA was like, we need to make this happen. So it was, there was the heat. I'm going to get yelled at for saying this. Nick Arison, Mickey Arison were both very involved in this. Adam Silver himself, very involved in this. This is why it's the best league in the world. Who's Chris Silva? Chris Silva was a two-way guy until a few days ago. Chris Silva is now a minimum salary guy who half the time isn't even playing for the heat. Why would the league care about this guy? Because they care about their guys. That's the answer why. And how Eric Spolstra held it together in that moment and was able to pull it off. Perfect timing. Have his mom come out to talk about family, to point Chris out, be like, when's the last time you saw your family? No one knew what was happening on, on that floor when he brings out his mom, when he brings out Chris Silva's mom. What an amazing moment. And by the way, too, in this league where winning is everything, where on game days, I can't do this, I can't do that, we got a game, I don't, don't talk to me, don't look at me. Two hours before a game, Eric Spolstra is in on this, bringing Chris Silva's mom onto the, onto the game court when they're doing a walkthrough before a big game. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How many coaches in the league would do that? Yeah. It's just another example of the league getting it, of the Heat getting it, of the Arisons getting it, and of Eric Spolstra getting it. I don't care how homerish that sounds. It's just there is nothing about that story that's not amazing. On uh, on the uh, Zeus Tech guest line with uh, Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press talking about the NBA. And, uh, Tim, we're going to get you out on this, although it is a pretty big topic. But I think uh, I really need to bring you in on this. The, the Miami Heat has recently announced that uh, in February they are going to retire – the number of the greatest player to ever play for the franchise, Dwayne Wade. Uh, you and your AP access has been closer to Dwayne than almost any other reporter or media person out there. Uh, I'd like you to just give us your thoughts on your experiences with Dwayne uh, and now this big, what is going to become a three-day celebration of his retirement, of his number three. I mean, obviously it's deserved. I mean, that goes without saying it still doesn't seem really real to me yet. And, and I think it's, th there will be a finality to it. Like, okay, it's really over when you see that number three swaying, you know, from the Raptors forever. 
in the building that will have a different name soon, but it's still American Airlines Arena. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right wording. I think we got so used to he's the leader in this, he's the leader, leader in that, the leader in this, the leader in the other thing. He and Udonis were the only guys to play on all three championship teams, blah, 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 blah. He was great almost from the jump. You know, I mean, they started 0-7 when he was a rookie. That's it. That's like the only blip. Like, and then that year he gets him home court and then hits the runner over Baron Davis, hits the little floater in the lane over Baron Davis in the playoffs. And then you realize all of a sudden, like what the Miami Heat got and, and how it was. Ultimately, it worked out pretty well that they didn't draft Chris Kamen. It worked out pretty well uh, for, yeah. for the Heat in, in that case. I, I think seeing the banner, like the banner has been there in spirit for eight years already. You know what I mean? He's been one of those guys for years. He's been one of the heat exalted people. The, the thing that's going to be unbelievable to me is that 20 years from now, when he still will be the leader in virtually every category, and, and he will be, that's when you're going to realize how great this guy was. Like, rec- I mean, the, the cliche is what? I mean, records are there to be broken. Right. Good luck breaking this guy's records. <laughs> I mean, there might be a player that wins four championships from the heat one day. I mean, there might be someone. I mean, they might get it. You know, who knows? But. Do you know how good you've got to be for how long you've got to be that, that good to score 20,000 for one team? This franchise is 30, 31 years old, right? Correct. When we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Heat basketball, we're still going to be saying his name when we talk about who is the best at this, the best at this, the best at this, the best at this. And, and it's, it's a very weird thing. I mean, LeBron is the best player to ever play here. But Dwayne was our best player. And, you know, the way he allowed 2010 to happen, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to bring LeBron James and Chris Bosh into his locker room and, you know, share some of his thunder. Not many guys would do that. Dwayne did it. He reinvented himself as a starter. I mean, I, I mean, as a reserve. Coming off the bench, the, the ego shot. There are guys in the league right now that are, three or four years in their careers that can't handle coming off the bench and a hall of famer does it in year 16. Like that should be part of the banner. I mean, there should be, they should retire his banner for starting. They should retire his banner for being a backup. They should retire his, <laughs> they should, there should be a different banner for what he did in the playoffs. I, I'm glad that the fans get three days. I don't really know how it's all going to work, but I'm glad they get three nights to celebrate him. He's earned that. And I think the fans have earned it. And I really hope they savor it. I, I have to say this part too, like it, it bothers me quite a bit how the game that night, even by the time it was officially announced, like ticket, the secondary market tickets were all over the place. And I hope real fans get a chance to experience that and, and say thank you in their way, whether it's letting them in to, you know, get, getting as many people as you can in there to watch the documentary for its first airing on the Sunday of that weekend Mm -hmm. or something, anything. I mean, I know that the Friday night event season ticket holders, and and that's great. And they, they've definitely deserved that. The, the get in price right now for the Saturday game is so tough. I just hope enough people show up on Sunday. The people that can't spend three, four, $500 for a ticket to go to the game, go watch the documentary, yell, scream, be loud during it. It's a, it's a movie, but, I gave you permission, celebrate them, stand, <laughs> applaud, do all that. I, I just hope all the people that want to say thank you to him one more time get a chance to that weekend. Well, Tim, it has been an absolute pleasure having you back on uh, Two Minutes Dos Minutos. Uh, thank you so much. You know you were a friend of the program, and uh, we're definitely going to have you back. And 
The last thing I have for you is it's simply Giannis Atatakunbo. Oh. That's not that's not it. <laughs> I I can promise you that's it. That's not it. Okay, well you and I can disagree and uh, to invite him to say what, my what name. You, how many did you say you said like there's like you said five T's in there. It's like <laughs> I mean, that's what you just said. I'm like, no, that's not it. All right. Well we can uh, we can arm wrestle this when we see each other again, but I'm telling I, you it's you Giannis Atatakunbo. You and I pronounce. By the way, I'm just going to say this right now. You know what my All Star shtick is going to be this year when I go to All Star Media Day in Chicago? I can't even imagine what. I'm going to ask players, and I'm going to do it on video, to spell Atatakapuka or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> okay. And when, they can't, and when they can't do that, I'm, then I'm going to ask them to spell Giannis. Oh, boy. I don't think they'll be able to do that. I don't know how many of them will be able to do that either. Giannis is tough. <laughs> Giannis is tough. The other one, forget it. I've got it broken up. I know exactly how it goes. I know how the 13 letters go now. I can. I got that one down. Believe it or not, the last time I misspelled his name, I misspelled Giannis. <laughs> I can you're so concerned about Atetokounmpo that you misspelled Giannis. All right. I had I had one N and two I's, but, you know, <laughs> three I's, but two next week. Don't ask. Thank you for thank you, gentlemen. Of course, for having me on. It's uh, it's been a pleasure, and so uh, Tim, all the best to you, and uh, you and I will be seeing a lot more of each other down at uh, what we still know as the American Airlines Arena, and I have a feeling, uh, as a friend of the show, there'll be a playoff special coming up as we get into April. Oh, white hot podcasting! I love it! I love it! <laughs> all the best. Take care, my friend. See you guys.